everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful weekend here in D.C. We have a great show for you. Nick has a couple of things she wants to, a bits of wisdom she wants to impart. Not bits of wisdom, but it's been really exciting in the city. Um, I don't know if you've been out, but... If you haven't, get outside. I mean, not only is the weather fabulous, but all the restaurants, there is so much activity happening. There's so many activations happening. It's just kind of like bubbling out there, and it's so exciting. Um, Lots of people are out. Lots of new restaurants opening up. Last night, I was at the uh, Wine and Dine to benefit World Central Kitchen at the Four Seasons. This is a new international food and wine festival that the Four Seasons and Michael Mina are kicking off in D.C. It's going to be happening every year. Last night was Pretty amazing. The Voltaggio brothers were there. Adam Sobel was back in town. Michael Mina was here. Uh, Silver Threads out of San Francisco was serving up delicious food. Uh, Mike Rafiti was there. Amazing wines, amazing champagnes, gorgeous diamonds. I don't know how they fit in, but I don't care. I got to try them on. And all the money raised is- You know, I noticed my wallet was missing this morning. (laughs) Um, Anyway, all the money raised is going to World Central Kitchen, and there is a huge dinner tonight, Saturday night, which we will be attending as well. We're going. Yay. So um, I do want to remind people to fall back because it's uh, this airs on Sunday and you get an extra hour. And lastly, we did get to check out Yasmin in Union Market. This is like the old team from Maidan, um, Saeed and Chris Morgan. They're serving up amazing Mediterranean cuisine. It was fabulous. It, it really was, was really fabulous. And the wines were insane. So um, if you have a chance, go check it out. Because anybody who listens to the show knows I, I I don't like to eat much, but I, <laughs> that food was I was licking my food plate. Was great. All right. So uh, today with drinks is a woman with my favorite name of any. All time. God, her name is Darlin Kula, D-A-R-L-I-N. And you are my darling. Yeah. Uh, She's with Need Hospitality and Design. She's their beverage director. And we're going to be talking about all of the the stuff they do there with the the Need properties, but particularly the grill that's now at the District Wharf. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. also joining us is a real all-star from Marriott. Uh, you know, Marriott was founded in Marriott International. Marriott International founded, mm-hmm. what is it, 94 years ago here in D.C. as a, as a root beer stand. Um, today it's slightly it's more true. than that. It's slightly more than that. True. Now it's the world's largest hospitality company. Brad Nelson is VP for their uh, global culinary, culinary operation, um, and he joins us. They, they've got a whole new setup in Bethesda. They moved the global headquarters there. It's a great boutique head uh, boutique, boutique hotel, hotel there that we stayed in. Mm-hmm. But they also have um, an innovation lab and test kitchen there that Brad runs. And we're going to hear all about that and why they've got it, what they do there, how they source the foods from there, and how that ends up okay, on, let's go on, on your to plate our next at Marriott. Guest. We call her the wellness chef. Nikki calls her her dear friend. I call her Dahlia. She's Dahlia David. I like her too because she's got my name for her last name. Right. How bad can that be? She's the first South Asian wellness chef to appear on Food Network's Chopped and become a finalist. And she's a food and lifestyle educator. She's going to help. She helps people have better relationships with food, which I could use. And we're going to hear all about that. I know. I can't wait to talk to her. And we've known this guy for 
20 years. We've known him a long time. Long time. He doesn't look, you still look like a baby to me. <laughs> but he's longtime DC chef and restaurateur Frederick DePew. He has a chic contemporary European bistro he's opened okay, up here. It's all He's back in the city. He well, went away for a little bit. Wait, he, he has is? a great restaurant in Annapolis. Wait, wait, wait. He's back, but he's not back because he also has Flamont in Annapolis. I know that's And you live said. in Annapolis, right? No, I actually live Oh, you live here. Well, then you're right, Nikki. Yes, I know. Of As usual. I'm right. As usual. Now, uh, oh, my darling. Would you like to start with drinks? Tell us about Need Hospitality. Sure. So uh, Need started uh, with our first restaurant was Succotash in National Harbor in Maryland. Mm-hmm. I actually joined the company to open their second Wait, restaurant. Wait, was Succotash National Harbor first or Succotash and Penn Quarter first? National Harbor first. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I joined to open the one in Penn Quarter, mm-hmm. and I've been with them since. Well, can we talk about a little bit about Succotash? Because that was Needs Hospitalities. Like, that was their first, like, entree yeah. into in. the D.C. market. And now they have, how many restaurants do you guys have now? A few. Yeah, well, I but think like, we're at, like, nine. Nine? nine? I mean, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> in ten years, right? You guys yeah. have really opened up a lot, and you're you're dispersed all over the city. Well, who is Need Hospitality? So, Jason, Barry, and Michael Regenbogen are the principals. They mm-hmm. started, as I said, with uh, Succotash National Harbor. Which was with Ed Lee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Edward right. is still part of the mm-hmm. restaurant. He runs both uh, the culinary operations at both Succotash. Mm-hmm. Um, so we opened Prime, historic 1920 um, bank building, and then it was Mivita. After that, it was The Grill, which was open, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit mm-hmm. more today. Uh, it was open for less than a month before the pandemic hit. Mm. So then there was snooze button. Would you agree that timing is everything? <laughs> timing is yes. everything, Thank actually. You. And speaking of, uh, you know, as the pandemic was still going on, there some opportunities did come up, and um, we definitely took advantage of them. You um, did, so you guys, because you opened up a lot of spaces mm-hmm. that were struggling, right? And were yeah. able to remake them. Yeah. So Mivita 14th Street just opened in August. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that's a massive space. It, it's beautiful. Though. It's a massive, it's a space. beautiful building. Uh-huh. Um, and we're also getting ready to open another Mivita, the old Rosa Mexicana space, also across from space. Uh, Capital One Arena. As it's called. Are you going to keep the butterflies? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we have plenty of butterflies. We did not keep the swimmers, though, that were in the old Rosa oh, okay. we, our, our Our vision is a little bit different. Well, and to be fair, it was an old restaurant. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. when it opened, it was, you know, great, flashy. But yeah. then, you know, yeah. some things don't age well. Yeah. So we're very excited. So th- we're expecting that early next year. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your background a little bit. Sure. And then you can tell us what you poured for us today. So of how'd course. you get into the biz? Um, just like a lot of other people in the business, I sort of fell into it or it caught me. Come however on, you want to say. Drinking in college. <laughs> we know the truth. Yeah, something like that, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I moved to D.C. for an internship in environmental science and uh, decided I liked the restaurant business a little bit more than that. I get it. <laughs> so, but how'd you get into wine? Um, yeah, actually, it's just a couple of places I worked I, at Brasserie Beck as a server and then Blue Duck that had like really good beverage programs, mm-hmm. really good psalms, really good managers. And um, it, I love learning about wine because it's the intersection of history, uh, um, geology. Uh, it's uh, it's about people. It's agriculture. So agriculture. Everything. It's all of those things. My, bio- my degree was in biology. So it just sort of pulled me in, not mm-hmm. to mention it's tasty. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come so, back well, I to I just you, want to say yeah. you're an intellectual who could have solved climate warm, you know, climate uh, change. 
and you ended up in wine. So the world. Well, actually, we lately um, a lot of the times I spend talking to winemakers around the world is now spent about talking climate about climate change, mm -hmm. and it's. I was just in Napa recently, and things are very different. It's scary. Right now. Yeah. All right. Yep. When we come back, we'll talk more about women in wine. Because uh, there are tons of women psalms here in D.C., even though Tom Seatsima may have forgotten that. Uh, but uh, tell us what we're drinking, please. Sure. So uh, to start, you're having a Jans, a uh, Brut Rosé. Mm. Um, so this is from Tasmania. It's one of our wines on the list mm. at uh, The Grill, a district wharf. Um, the list there is about 350 labels. We have a big, like... Uh, uh, wine list, so and this is would be a great start to brunch this on the patio. This is so appropriate because Nikki often refers to me as her Tasmanian devil. Right, so. I knew that. Um, but this, um, I I didn't know it was from Tasmania. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a delicious wine. It's really delicious. They did a good right. job with it. All right, okay. so now we're going to talk to a guy with a lofty title, <laughs> who is a great man of the people. Brad Nelson is VP for Marriott's Global Culinary Operation. Um, he's, he really runs the food and beverage portfolio there, sort of directs it. Would I, am I saying it right, Brad? Well, can you, know, you explain that's that? But a... he's a chef, and I want to call him Chef Brad. Okay, so Chef Brad, tell us what that kind of means, because global culinary, like all of that, I mean, Marriott is such a massive company. How does one person handle all of it? Well, so one person doesn't. Okay. Right? It, it sounds like it's a great sounding title, but at the end of the day, I'm really just a just a cook. I okay. just love to cook. And so, uh -huh. so that's how I got started in this business, and that's what I can So self-effacing. I yeah. love it. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, that really is what it's all about. And I think, you know, what's important uh, with such a large uh, scope of, uh, of our business, and we have, you know, 8,100 hotels and growing around the world, 139 countries, over 10,000 restaurants, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it really is You're about, like 10,000 restaurants, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's blah, about blah. what's happening in each one of those locations. It's about each of the individual chefs and the growth that we can provide and the uh, the inspiration we can provide uh, for people to build their careers. Kind of like how I started the business. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot, how a lot of uh, a lot of us cooks maybe have started. Uh, we, we enjoyed living, you know, working in the kitchen. We enjoyed kind of the the craziness of the hours and whatnot and enjoyed making people happy. And at the end of the day, that really is what my role is to be, is to help uh, our hotels, help our, our culinarians around the world um, kind of live. And but are you life. regionally based when you're helping these other hotels because you have hotels all over the world? And I like what you said, and I think it's very true of Marriott's in general, like it's not cookie cutter. So if you're going to open up a restaurant in a region, hopefully you're going to give something to the community and to the traveler who's coming to the hotel. So I think that's exactly right. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think, you know. I mean, Brad, if you were... haven't listened, I'm usually right. So. <laughs> I've noticed that. Right. So go and ahead. I agree with that. I hear that. You know, as I'm brushing my teeth every bloody morning, right, I hear so that. Go ahead. You know, Sorry, it used Brad. to be there, you know, if we go back 20, 30 years, there was a point uh, in time in travel that people were looking for kind of familiarity within their travels and a little bit of a, a cocoon to, uh, to to spend their time in while they're out. Now, and thankfully, you know, mm -hmm. travel is really about experiences. And travel is really about experiencing where you are, uh, time and place, and, and experiencing that through food. And there's nothing, in my mind, of course, I'm probably a little biased, but there's nothing more that really speaks to uh, the essence of travel than, under, than, than experiencing the food and the beverage and the lifestyle of that destination. So that's what we really try and do with our concepting and with our our hotels and restaurants around the world is that you have a sense of place and you know where you are 
Well, I, I love that. And I think, would you say that, that that's a trend that started like, what, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? I mean, how did that change things for Marriott with your drastic growth? So I think it took us, um, and rightfully so, uh, to understanding, again, what the purpose of a hotel is and mm-hmm. how a hotel fits into the travel experience and and how um, there, are, there are elements within hotels and within brands and whatnot. And we've got a lot of brands. We've got some amazing brands. Mm-hmm. There are elements that, uh, that you want to experience and recognize and kind of align yourself with, but also you want to be able to understand the elements and that that are part of that destination that you don't know. So much of that comes through food. So our approach is to really dive into what that community is, mm-hmm. to understand what sort of uh, of operation or concept or whatnot is needed, and also to focus on being a part of the community. So many of our clients, our customers, our guests are not necessarily staying in the hotel. They're locals. Yeah, but mm. that's wait, what wait, wait, wait. We have to take a break. So hold on. I'm so sorry. Just as I was about I know, to just say about something. He was about busy. to say something. All right. All right. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie <laughs> and the Beast. Marriott International is in studio. We'll come back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Chef Brad Nelson, who's VP for Marriott's uh, Global Culinary Operation. Before the break, we were talking about how all of your properties, you know, their goal is to not only be a part of the community, but encourage their guests to experience the community, whatever, wherever that is. And back in the day, I mean, 20 years ago, hotels treated guests like they were, or, or looked at guests like they were captive audiences. Eat here, you know, everything's here. Why, why go out there in the world for dinner when you can? And, um, and now it's, it's very different. You know, I think it's a generational thing. Well, you understand that that you know if you travel, whether it's you know Sardinia or 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 Seattle or wherever. David just likes to tell everybody we were in Sardinia. I do, <laughs> um, but but that that you know we want you to get out there and you know get, get a sense of where you are and, and and enjoy it. Who drove that? Because was that a Marriott directive? So I think that really is just kind of an evolution of the industry. I think it is. It's an evolution of the access to information. I think people. Uh, have have looked at travel, and when they book their travel, the first thing they might, they might do is book their flights, but then the second is to find out where they want to go eat. And and actually, you know, I've even done this. Uh, I've even made reservations first in places that I wanted to go eat and then figured out how to right, get there. Like, let me make sure I can get that reservation. Right, right. So I think uh, as we think about a destination, you really think about being immersive in that destination, what you want to see and do. Mm-hmm. And the hotel can be a big part of that. Um, but it really drove us to look at uh, the offerings that we have and to make sure that those are unique to that destination. Well, so let's bring it back here to locally. You guys just opened up your global headquarters yep. here in Bethesda, as well as a boutique hotel in Bethesda, which we have stayed in. So let's talk about how you guys crafted the boutique hotel and then also like your food offerings, um, because there's the only rooftop bar in Bethesda. Which was very cool. Uh, hip and Flask. Yep. Um, Andy was just there last night, and um, and then you also have Seven State, the restaurant. Right. But there, but that's not just it. There is a whole vibe in the building. I mean, when we got there, I was like, everybody and Frederick, you and I can talk about this later. Like a lot of people complain that happy hour is not coming back yet as much in the DC market. But I was like, well, it's here in Bethesda because there's a lot of people here drinking at five o'clock. And they all looked very happy, by the way. So can I'm we talk sure, about I hope so. I hope the so. hotel and the concepts and how you guys executed it? Yeah, that? so I think that's just a great example of you. We, 
we, we knew we were going to put a, a beautiful a Marriott-branded hotel there, uh, next door Marriott International Headquarters. Uh, we wanted that to be a, a space into itself, and mm-hmm. certainly it sits, uh, sits right next to uh, our headquarters where we've got you know great spaces and a great mm-hmm. test kitchen, which we might get to. Um, but we wanted it to be unique, and we wanted it to be uh, something that people would come to uh, on their own. And, and again, to be part of the uh, community. Seventh state, Maryland's the seventh state. That's how we got to that name. Pretty, I figured. Uh, creative, right? <laughs> right. I know, but I like but, it. Brilliant. Um, but, uh, you know, the the hip flask, which is on the uh, 11th floor, um, is a great uh, outdoor space. And really, everybody wants to be outdoor. Now, it's, it's of course, everybody wants to be outdoors. Here it is, what, November? It's November, and degrees. we got 70 degrees outside, and it's fantastic. Um, but that really is how that all came about, to figure out first what we wanted in the community, what uh, what was needed, mm-hmm. uh, and to build something that really spoke to the DMV. Well, let's talk about center. your, but let's talk about you have a test kitchen. So years ago in the old property before right. the Marriott Marquis opened, I was invited in to like play I, with the I, chefs I, in the I kitchen, and which was so much fun to come up with recipes. Yeah. But you have chefs all over the world who you bring together to your test kitchen to create so so the words test kitchen is 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 uh is kind of what we really try and uh use that and apply that space for but it really is more than that it really is a place uh that we want to bring ideas together we want to actually showcase internally and externally kind of what's going on in our Mm -hmm. collection of hotels around the world we do develop concepts uh with hotels uh and with chefs we do training uh and also the exciting thing about this new space which we didn't have in the old so we've really integrated technology. So I have the ability uh, to uh, to broadcast, to uh, to do uh, in- innovation sessions with chefs around the world in real time. I, which and is, that really is really it's life changing. Yeah. Yeah, it's I really do cool. think like silver, little itty bitty, tiny ish silver lining of the pandemic is the the recognition is that we can all be together. We can open up our computers and all be together and yeah. see each other and make it happen if we have to. And no, we, the only people who hate that are commercial real estate brokers. But. <laughs> I think they're doing just fine. And we fine. can show technique. We can actually, now we haven't figured out how to taste food over the air yet, but uh, who knows? Okay. Um, but I think that uh, we're able to re- really do a lot of those things. So do you guys, I mean, you, you sort of cook in unison and try things in unison to see what everybody thinks of that ingredient at that amount and how that works? So we will do that to some extent. We'll also do it as a way to kind of share what's happening or mm-hmm. share concepts or trends or... Well, like, uh, plan forward. Like, yeah. let's just quickly, because we only have two minutes. You know, 20 years ago, if you were a vegan or a vegetarian and you went into a restaurant, they sure. give you a plate of pasta or a plate of steamed vegetables, and that has totally changed, totally changed. how... Of dietary restrictions, how people eat, yeah. and how restaurants view them. I mean, chefs used to roll their eyes when they heard vegetarian. They'd be like, oh, my God. But, uh, or gluten-free or can't have dairy or whatever. But now kitchens are nimble and ready to provide those people with good uh, eating experiences. And not only that, you're actually building those right into the content of the, of the, of the menu. No longer, no longer do you go in and see the vegetarian section. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is entrees, appetizers, whatnot that just happen to be vegetarian but are but are really just and delicious and delicious and yeah. fit the concept. And so mm-hmm. I think plant forward and the more, uh, more plants uh, used in menus and uh, as ingredients um, is 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 
not only a trend, uh, but thankfully is actually kind of uh, the way forward. Our forward motion. Yeah, yeah I would world. love to talk about so many other things, but unfortunately we do have to move on. Sounds like an interesting Right, night. but um, Brad, would you please uh, tell everybody where we can find the new properties? Where you can find the new yeah. properties? Yeah. Property. Property. Uh, all the pro- the Bethesda properties. Yeah. Downtown yeah. Bethesda, right on Wisconsin Avenue. Excellent. All right, great. Thank you so much. Right across from the old Bethesda movie theater. Okay. Where I had my first kiss. Hey, darling, I need you to come back to the mic. <laughs> oh, darling. Here I am. Hi there. Right. Okay, so give us a little 411 on the grill. Uh, sure. So it's a district wharf, um, beautiful patio views. Um, we have our Jasper Grill. It's a grill from Spain, so we do a lot of charcoal grilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a nice selection of steaks and seafood that you can get over the grill. Um, the vibe is very like Miami a little bit. Uh, so a lot of light colors. Um, you know, just a great place to have lively cocktails and a fun glass of wine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so what did you make for us next? Sure. So next for you all is um, our grill punch. It's probably our most popular cocktail. It's a great brunch cocktail. I was going to say as that well. looks like brunch in exactly. a glass. Exactly. Right. Um, so it's a pineapple infused vodka, mango, um, and uh, some bubbles. So it's a little bit of ginger in there as well. And we like I like to bring what the kitchen does a little bit into the cocktails mm-hmm. uh, as much as I can. So we actually char the mangoes that go into the garnish of the drink on um, the well, that, actual Jasper Grill. We have That's one cool. more second. That, I mean, that brings up a point. Do you spend a lot of time with chef? Going over what's what and figuring out how to incorporate. Absolutely. So the grill and Mi Vida are a partnership with Roberto Santibanez, who's the chef, mm-hmm. the culinary director for Mi Vida and the grill. Right. And uh, Roberto and I taste each other's food. Like I taste his food all the time. He tastes the drinks all the time. And we definitely have a very collaborative uh, spirit between us. I love that. Okay, great. We'll come back to you in a sec. Those look gorgeous. Pass them around. Uh, and now I'm bringing in my good friend, Dahlia David. So uh, as many of you know, this summer um, I was on a trip to Israel with Reality Israel, and our title was Taste. And so the whole group were people um, from all around I mean, the country, really, uh, and also internationally. Um, And we were all people in the food space, and we got to tour and talk food and uh, diet and et cetera. And Dahlia was on the trip, and we became friends on less than day one, like in the first couple hours. So Dahlia David, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. So, Hi, David. <laughs> Hi. So Dahlia is, Dahlia, I'm going to let you explain what you do because you're so much more than a personal chef. You really are in the wellness space. And I feel like wellness, the term wellness has been incredibly bastardized in like, especially the last five years. So can you talk about what you do and how you work with your clients? Yeah, I mean, maybe there is a bit of bastardization in the sense that there's like a negative terminology on it. Um, I, when I left the restaurant world, I was working in, in New York city kitchens and, um, I really just wanted to have, um, closer connections with the people I was cooking for. And I started to work privately. Um, I had showed up as this private chef that could cook wellness focused food in the sense that based on your perspective on how you want to eat and where you want to go, I can help you get there because mm-hmm. of the knowledge and, and the backing of my culinary education, which is very different from the standard ice culinary. I went to a school called Natural Gourmet Institute and I went to Cornell for plant nutrition. And at Natural Gourmet Institute, we studied whole foods. We studied cooking for cancer patients. We studied detox. We, ta- we studied le- ta- um, living foods. We studied just in general 
um, the holistic aspect of what food can do for you. And then mm -hmm. we also cooked in the kitchen and learned how to, you know, the French style and the Japanese style and all of that. So there was uh, quite a different way of looking at food from that perspective. And that's really just, it was a bit of a life calling because I was, you know, from that way of eating and cooking for myself before culinary school. Um, but as I started to really um, work with clients one-on-one, um, -on -one, what I noticed was is that I was really just helping them understand their own personal relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And each person has a different understanding of what wellness means for them. So, okay, I take my statement back. There's been a bit of a bastardization. I mean, of I felt like I was team. right, Dahlia. You heard the beginning of the show. Can I mean, I, I'm just saying. Can I just jump <laughs> yeah. in to say, if you don't say Nikki's right, you're going to have a problem. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know better than that. Problem. Come on. I had to walk through my thought process because here's the thing, because when we hear wellness, there's like a cringe. If you are someone that is against the idea of eating in, in um, what you would consider like vegan or plant forward, but that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about um, what foods make sense for your body. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to be vegan. That doesn't mean you have to be plant forward. It just means we have to understand how your relationship with your food works, where your urges, your, you know, sort of like primal urges to eat in an addictive way comes from, and then sort of help you kind of work with your prefrontal cortex to understand like how to differentiate between what's an urge for you, something that's really primal versus like something you actually need and sort of support you to get there. And then I also cook. So it's like a conversation, conversation, like conversation. therapy. It kind of is, but I'm not a licensed therapist, so I don't want to say that that's what I do. You right. know, I just know that people um, really like to talk about how they eat and what stresses them out. And um, quite often my clients have orthorexia, which is like a unhealthy focus on eating healthy. And they're starting to catch themselves, be very neurotic about how they eat. And so, um, you know, they hire me because I'm a wellness chef and they expect me to sort of go with like how um, they're flowing with how they're eating. But they're also noticing like how they're like hyper aware of things in a way that's super negative for them. And it's not really helping or supporting their well-being. And so the conversations aren't even just about food, it comes to like, okay, when I eat this, I feel like this. And if I feel like I, if I don't have organic in the house, it makes me a little crazy, but I want to just like calm myself down a little bit about that. And they're catching themselves and they're noticing it's not actually great to be extreme about something. I had a chef. Wait, um, Dahlia, babe, I got to yeah. put you on hold because we have to take sure. a quick break, but I do want to oh, get into okay. it because I think you're a hundred percent right. When we talk about people, you know, people who are obsessive about how they eat and that yeah. the, the negativity, it takes away the pleasure from food, not just the nutrition yeah. from food, but like the pleasure of yeah. eating is then gone. Um, this is David and Nikki Nellis. We'll be back in just a sec. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Dahlia David about basically about being mm -hmm. overly, uh, I guess, OCD about your food, um, even yeah. from a healthy perspective. You know, the, the, Yeah, the, I mean... It can be from healthy or unhealthy. Yeah, I'm the right? other end of the spectrum, by the way. But Talia, I think, you know, having a good relationship with food is such an important conversation. Like, it, given what I do, I've been covering the, you know, the food, wine, and hospitality scene for 20 years. And I am of small stature. Um, and a lot of people over the years, and you and I have talked about this, you know, sort of call me out and be like, oh, how can you eat? Like, you don't eat a lot. How could you possibly, you know? Yeah you know, do what you say you do. Like, you probably don't eat anything. And I'm always like, or I have a really good relationship with food. And yeah. I know my body. I mean, I'm 53 years old. 
I know my body and I know how to how and when to eat. It doesn't mean I don't overindulge sometimes, but it also yes. means that I know how to put myself back on track. Right. Yes. And I think yes. that's that's what people are struggling with. I think there's this conversation that people have that they are upset with themselves constantly over their relationship with their food. And mm -hmm. when they see someone that is calm like you and also slim like you, and they're like, okay, how does she eat the way she eats? She probably isn't eating and they want to sort of do the blame game. Instead, I think that's a deeper conversation for themselves on like, putting guardrails around themselves and saying, okay, I am going to fail. And I am fail in the sense of like, I'm going to overindulge and I'm going to think I need to beat myself up, but it's okay. It's like human nature to enjoy food. That is what, I mean, I love food. I'm a chef, right? right. But I also right. understand that when we overindulge, it's because not just because we want to have it, it's because something is going on inside. With Filling our a hole. On like why we've decided that we want to keep doing something that we know we shouldn't be doing, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Well, so yeah. let's talk about how you work with your clients and how you go in and cook for them, because I think the term private chef sounds yeah not attainable for everybody. So if you're cooking for people or if you're helping people with their meals, how does that how does that process work? Right. I'm trying to think about it from um, the perspective of the the average consumer and how they could cook for themselves because I'm not in their homes all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think first and foremost, it's having like a plan for and we're, the holidays are coming up. So let's talk about the holidays. Right. right? So we're having a plan for how you'd like to eat a realistic plan with a sense of like, I'm going to fail and I'm going to mess up a couple times. So what does that look like? And having like a sense of like what you'd like your ideal version of yourself to look like with the ability to fail. The ideal version should always be able to fail because there's no such thing as like a perfect person, mm -hmm. not a perfect eater, nothing like that, right? So there's that sense. And then coming in with it and understanding, okay, I'm seeing family, I'm seeing friends. These are the kinds of emotions and things that stir up for me when I see certain people in my life. So what happens to me when I do that? I tend to reach for drinks. I turn to, to reach for the chips or dessert. And just knowing ahead of time, having that self-awareness, going into the next few months that like certain people, certain situations um, trigger certain emotions, which may lead you to reach for certain types, uh, to imbibe a certain way, eat a certain way, lets you know what you could potentially do. So mm -hmm. you already are you're working with your prefrontal cortex brain right now. And you're saying, you know, my ability to thrive really comes from me managing my emotions and my urges, right? So you're saying this to yourself before you go into the next couple months, okay? So once you have that set, then you can decide, these are the kinds of foods that I am going to allow myself to eat. These are the things that I'm going to steer away. But if I eat them, that's also okay. There's like a level of kindness that we need to give to ourselves that we don't usually do during the holidays. And we go in with so much stress because we don't prepare our minds. We don't prepare like our bodies for what potentially could happen. And if we work with our minds, right? So if we learn how to I'm, I'm going to share this quote that this Buddhist monk said, okay. don't let your mind use you, learn how to use your mind. Oh, I love don't that. Don't let your mind use you, mm. learn how to use your mind. So we go into this holiday season knowing certain things about ourselves and how we operate because we've been living on this planet for how long. So just checking in with yourself is a big deal here. And then we do this journey of trying our best to work with our urges 
to tell our urges that they're just urges. They're not. They're not things that we need. Wait, to you don't do. have to like answer well, the urges, right? So I I got a question for you because whether or not you want to label yourself as a food shrink, you're a food shrink. I, mean, I don't know if I can. No, no. Not officially. Okay. Don't demur. But my question is, because like, it's, I mean, I'm probably. We have like one minute left. All right. Not atypical from that. How long is it? How long does it take generally for you to sort of wrap somebody's head around what their issues are and get them on the right path? It depends on how open they are. And it's a of work course. in progress, But I right? mean, on average, are you talking about six months, six weeks, six days? What do you, how, how does it work? I think for me, like a few weeks, because I tend to be someone people are open to having conversations with. I don't really judge. I have done just about everything when it comes to eating terribly. So I know what it's like and I really empathize. So when you have those types of conversations, I'm so interested and open to hearing how other people think about food because it's a great conversation it really shows mm -hmm. who we are in a different way you know we talk about culture culture is one thing but the way we eat shows who we are also and it's a beautiful thing to have those types of conversations i love that dahlia we again like every guest today is like oh we can talk all day so listen we will circle back with you will you tell everybody please where to find you on instagram and online yes Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at Dahlia.David. It's D-A-L-I-A dot David. And my website is DahliaDavid.com. You can shoot me an email there. Great. So good to see you. Thanks for joining us okay. this morning. Yeah. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, darling. This right. drink is like brunch in a glass. Like you don't even need food to go with it. It's no, terrific. Food optional. Except we also that... do it for happy hour. Uh -huh. um, so definitely speaking of happy hour. Right. You're like, right. You're like, I'm already ready for what's next. Oh my God. Eli would love this. I know. Oh. Our son, our son, uh, our 22 year old freak. loves oh, nice. mango. And he also likes cocktail freak. He's mango. learning about cocktails because nice. our old, uh, one of our older sons is in the beverage scene. He's a silver, silver lion. lion. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yes. You it's a great him. place. Yes, it is. A lot of um, alcoholics in our family. Right. So, so tell us about your next cocktail and happy sure. hour. The at next the cocktail, grill. I'm going to ask the chefs to pass it down to Nikki okay. and David. Um, so this is called Rum Me Over. Okay. Um, and it's actually our play on an old fashioned. As I mentioned, the grill, um, as far as the look, has this sort of like Miami vibe to it. So we did a blend of different rums. So it's a El Dorado uh, 12 year. There's Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva. And then a little bit of Knob Creek rye, uh, which kind of gives it that little bit of spiciness, um, bitters. And then we finish it off with uh, a cocoa nib demerara uh, that picks up those. All right, so it just doesn't sound like wait, you're wait, working wait, wait, very wait, wait, wait. hard yeah, on yeah. these cocktails. But no, so I want to. I mean, you know, you talk about a guy with an experimental kitchen. Do you just sit back in the kitchen or in, behind the bar and go, hmm, I'll drop a little of this in there and see what it tastes like. I'll drop a little of that. And you come up with your drinks. Um, no, I think it starts with the idea first and a lot of research. And again, I was talking like, I really, especially at the grill, really try to bring what the kitchen All right, so you're did. a process person, not an anarchist. Not an anarchist. Okay, no. got it. I will say um, kudos to the glassware. I am glass obsessed and it's, um, they're all really pretty. We Beautiful. do love our glassware. Yeah. We have another really we cute one. We have a ton of glassware. She's a pain in the glass. Yeah, I am. I like, I collect glassware. I do love it. Nice. All right. Let's go to our next guest while we're enjoying this great cocktail. So this guy, this guy. is an old friend of ours, an old friend of the show, and one of Ooh, Washington's great chefs. <laughs> Frederick DePew, um, is back, you're back in D.C. with Henri, yes, correct? Uh, you also have a great restaurant in Annapolis, Flamont. to which we have been, Flamont. 
Which Give we us love. a little background. Of where, I mean, we haven't probably haven't really seen you or spoken to you in a couple of years. What's up? Yeah, it's been a while. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, we uh, we've been open now with Yonri for about uh, ten months, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, downtown, two blocks from the White House. Uh, Do people call it Henry? Yeah, and I'm okay with he's that. He's like, I don't care. I, uh, Those damn Yankees. Show he's like, up just come. come. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. but let's talk. So when I I went to the Yonri when you first opened, mm-hmm. I was with an unnamed food critic who we were having dinner with, so it was a little awkward when Frederick was just uh, standing there at the doorway. Yes, <laughs> He's indeed. like, hi! And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, but I got a great tour of the facility, and what I think is really interesting about the property, and I would love to delve into, is that while it is, you have a great bar, size bar there, which is perfect for both the theaters that are around the corner, and you have a lovely dining room, what you have in spades is private Dining, exactly. like rooms and rooms and rooms of private dining, as well as a kitchen specifically for that. Exactly, yeah. So, can we talk about how you sort of put the pieces of it together? Because this was all created during the pandemic, right? Like you were starting pre-pandemic. Yeah, we started pre-pandemic, so mm-hmm. um, it took us about four years to ultimately, from the beginning to the start, from the first conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, friends of mine owned the building, and they really wanted us in there. And for me, when I visited the space, it was this very large rectangular space. Well, and I just want to let people know for. To give them a visual, it was where Chef Jeff's was, Correct. right across from the, the Warner, Warner Theater, Theater yeah. right? The Warner yeah. Theater. yeah, and yeah. so it's a very modern glass building. And when I saw the space, the architect of the building had kind of given us a kind of, you know, a show what it could be. Mm-hmm. 300-seat restaurant. And the last thing in my head was like, I don't want to do a 300-seat 300 300 restaurant. 300-seat. Oh, my God. Um, Hello, so, range. <laughs> Goodbye, range. Right. And... Um, mm. And so I, we, we had a very open conversation. I said, you know, I went home and I said to my wife, listen, I, what do you think I would do another restaurant? She said, oh, my dead body. Uh, <laughs> not another one. You already have enough going on. And um, and then well, I kind of delved into it. And then I've had also a catering company for many years. And I always said that I'm too old to load up trucks and unload them and unpack everything and all that. And right. with age coming after many, two decades doing this, I said, why don't I build something where people actually come to us instead of me going to them? Mm. We still do going to them part. But um, for me, that kind of was the initial thought. And then being able to build something within a very large rectangular space and create a central kitchen that is literally that center of our space and Mm -hmm. build private dining around it, semi or fully private, with curtains and all that, all soundproof, gave us an ability to kind of cater really to a specific demand. And so we did our proper market research and we kind of get through the whole, all the laps of what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And what it gave us really seems like there's a lot of demand for private dining, not just for lawyers or lobbyists. or Well, in that district, amen. Yeah, and it's also a birthday party. I think tonight we have a full buyout in the back for a birthday party. Somebody's turning, I'm not sure which, what age, but there's a but birthday party. But they're turning. They're turning something. By the way, Nikki said she was 53. I thought she was 35. <laughs> <Yeah>. You liar. <laughs> I've never lied about my age, except when I was 16. When I was 16. Then I lied. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 21, man. Sure. All right. And so, yeah, we kind of build this space out, and it's been fantastic to see how it has evolved and the – who approaches us from multinational companies. Okay, so let's get into what is actually – aside from the private dining – at the bar, at the restaurant, what are, what are we serving? What does your food look like? Yeah, so I have one thing. It's a bonnet rotisserie. Um, Which is like the centerpiece of the, the dining room. Of the it's the gorgeous. Uh, 20 plus years ago, I worked in a restaurant. And uh, the only thing I could do with that piece of, you know, uh, that device, I called it at the time, was uh, clean it. 
I was not allowed to touch it. Uh, I was not on the ranks yet to be able to actually cook something on it. And one day I said, you know what, I'll have one of those and I'll be able to cook on it. And it's been a fantastic experience. Why? Because in the beginning we did the obvious things. Uh, a whole porchetta, a little pickling, suckling pig, and, and et cetera. But now we make things with, for cocktails. Uh, when we were talking previously, we put full pineapples and it goes in the rotisserie right. for an hour. Mm. So they char on the outside and it really makes, but we go to vegetarian courses that we do like cauliflowers or we did, um, and we roast them and then we make a salad out of that. Mm. And so we do also approaches making purees of whole vegetables go on there. So it's really been, been actually been playing with it. Mm -hmm. and discovering other things. And we have poussins on it now. We did octopus. We do it all. Whole dorada goes on it. And it's something with the dorada. It's, 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 so you know, can you explain it. for people who aren't familiar with the device? Mm -hmm. Wait, we have to take a break? Let's take a break. When we come back, yeah. let's talk about the device, what it is, and sort of the effects that it has on the food that you're serving. Certainly. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to our friend and master chef, Frederick <laughs> DePew, about his... Not just about his restaurant Henri down in the theater district, but about the Bonnet Rotisserie, which sounds like Star Wars, really. <laughs> it, it is, especially in the beginning when you have to start working with it with all the chains and, and all the everything turns vertical or horizontal. What kind of difference does that make in the, because I, I you know, you was telling us you put the kitchen in the middle of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. So the visual experience must be awesome for the guests, too. Yeah, for me, it's all about. You know, we often have chefs are in the back kitchen, in the back of a building. Right. We are in the basement, or et cetera. Some of them should be back there, by yes, the way. Yes, somebody, some <laughs> should be. And I would like to be, I want to see daylight. I worked in kitchens where we went at 7.30 in the morning, came out at 1.30 in the morning, and had no clue what, what happened that day. Right. It's and called solitary confinement. Yeah, right? very much so. And um, and so I like to have kitchens up front. I wanted them open. I want to also have that personal connection with our guests. I think there's nothing better if somebody stands up and comes to the kitchen and says to my chefs, like, this was awesome. And it gives them also a boost, sure. like, you know, personally that they did something well. And so um, the Bonnet in the front kitchen, who is really focused, we have about 60, 70 seats restaurant in there. Um, that's on the right-hand side when you enter. Mm -hmm. um, it really gives you that openness, and, and it's a beautiful, warm space that people can enjoy in, in a district where, you know, most of things is very different. I have a question. Mm -hmm. It's you better. I we like. have a radio show. A, Ask away. Uh, duh. <laughs> no. I, do you work the room? Do you come out of the kitchen and stop at every table just for a minute? Or I that... try not to. Uh, because it's kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like people are having conversations. I kind of let them be. I like to kind of stay away a little bit. I will go to tables that I know. Of Boy, it's a I good know. thing I don't know. I know, know but don't you? I always feel that I think for a chef, the reason not to come out of the kitchen is because if you touch one table, yes, you have to touch all of them. Because if somebody a lot sees of somebody, don't. but if somebody sees you coming to the table to talk to me, let's say, and then you don't go talk to them, they're like, "Well, who yeah, the hell? why like, didn't I go?" And I, kinda, I'm somebody. I, I try to capture people on their way out or mm -hmm. their way in. Uh, it's funny. There's some people that come and I always capture them at the door. I don't know why. I right. walk towards the front kitchen or whatever it is, and they bump into me, and it's like I don't do this on purpose, but for some reason right. I always say hi to you. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that's a better moment too. You know, I think mm -hmm. you can erupt in conversations or fights, or sometimes I should go to a table when there's a fight happening between somebody. But right. uh, but uh, no, and I, it's I think it's my point of view. I think we've been now in this career for quite a bit. Um, that it's not about me in my restaurant; it's about the people, everybody around me. Mm -hmm. And we can't do what we do without the people that are there. Right, I'm going to take you back to Henri because I don't want us to run out of time. Mm -hmm. Your favorite thing to cook, to prepare, and serve there? 
Oh, it's it's generally the rotisserie at this point. It's it's the diversity it brings us. Um, I love to challenge myself, like hang a whole fish turning for twenty minutes and then serve it to somebody. I I'm sorry, but if how you large see a it, fish will it take? I mean, it sounds amazing. It takes about well, it's about uh, fish. We we've done about. 20 ounces, but we can go up to 22 pounds on a wow. full piglet Ooh. On, the, That's amazing. on the horizontal one. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just talk quickly, because um, with the holidays coming, mm-hmm. you're going to have a ton of promotions. Yeah. Um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, I mean, all of it. So, and especially with that private dining space. So what are some of the things that you're offering? So well, we'll start actually with Thanksgiving. Um, this year I decided to, uh, to actually do an offering to donate a turkey and then everything else. We will deliver everything. So family can go to our website. And we actually do donations for that. Uh, I don't believe in downtown that area will be very busy, but then mm-hmm. December will be fantastic. We'll mm-hmm. have a lot of private dining, a lot of requests. Holiday parties are back. I really uh, want people to really go back and start promoting and really come together again for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Something we have missed now for two years where we all come together for a holiday party. I think people are ready for it, I think right? So too. Like it's, there's a. There's although like we have a, some relatives I haven't missed. So. <laughs> we all do. I know. I feel like there's like a sizzle in the air. There's a reason why I live in the United States by yeah. myself and my family's in Europe. <laughs> all right. Please tell everybody where they can find you online and also where they can find both restaurants because yeah. Flamont in Annapolis is a real gem. Thank you. you know, well, we love it's it. uh, the henridc.com mm-hmm. and flamontmd.com. And we are located uh, across the street from the Warner Theater, mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. And then in, the, in uh, Annapolis, we are j- across the street from the Navy Academy Stadium. So right. thank Great. you very much. It's so good to see you, Chef. Thanks thank for coming you. in. All right, darling. We well, have been drinking so well today. Such a, a like diverse array of wine and cocktails. Awesome. Can, we talk, can we go back to wine for just a second? Absolutely. Because pouring a wine from Tasmania at a place called The Grill on the wharf, like... One plus one does not equal two there. What, talk about the wine program just a little bit. Sure. It's, um, it's very diverse. You'll walk in and on the list, you'll see a lot of uh, labels and things you'll recognize. You know, mm-hmm. We have a really good California Cabernet section because we do a lot of steaks. But that's not the focus, right? Mm-hmm. The focus is, um, is a little bit of everything. Uh, sparkling rosés are definitely a big part of the list. I personally love champagne. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't? Bubble should be my middle name, exactly. but it's not. I, I, I don't have a middle name, so maybe I should turn moments. it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, it, it really is. It's uh, the occasion doesn't, you know, especially and the weather sometimes just calls for a large variety of different wines, and our food is very varied. So um, I like to have fun with it. Excellent. Sure. All right. I know you're making us a last cocktail, but since you, I want you to tell us about it first. Sure. And then we'll wrap you up and then you can pour it. So yeah. tell us about what you're making last. Absolutely. I thought it was a fabulous day. So the last cocktail is called the Ab Fab. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you'll see it. It's a really pretty cocktail. On the rim, there's a little bit of pink Himalayan salt and bee pollen. The drink itself has pearl dust infused. Oh, boy. Elix, uh, vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there is some uh, Grand Marnier Cuvée Centenaire. And a little bit of Saturns as well. All right. Well, I don't want you to pour it because I want to film that. So, um, but Darlin, tell everybody, please. First of all, thank you, Darlin, for coming in today. Such a treat. Thank you for coming in last minute because we did have another person who was sick. Um, Tell us, please, where we can find everything about Need Hospitality and the Grill specifically. Sure. So the Grill is located at District Wharf down on Main Avenue Southwest. Um, And uh, you can find us online at thegrilldc.com and on Instagram as well as 
at The Grill DC. And you can find all the neat concepts um, also on Instagram at uh, NeatHD. Excellent. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Um, do you have anything to say before I have I wrap two up? things to say. Okay. I'm going to beat the drum again. The war in Ukraine is still going on. We've got millions of refugees. They all need help. Give to the Red Cross. Give to Jose's World Central Kitchen. Give mm-hmm. something because we have a lot here and they have nothing. Mm. The other thing I want to say is Tuesday's election day. Please go vote. I'm an admitted lefty. If you don't vote, don't complain because mm-hmm. there's some crazy shizzle going on out there. And if you just sit back and, you know, wait for somebody else to do it for you, it isn't going to happen. Well, we want to thank, uh, on that note, please go vote. It is very important. Vote no uh, on Initiative 82, please. Most people in the restaurant industry who work in the restaurant industry do not want it. That's just my unsolicited uh, explanation of that one. Uh, But do your research on it. Find out what people think and on both sides, please. Uh, Lastly, I want to thank my guests for coming in studio. Uh, We had such a great show today. Really good, good conversation. A couple of reminders for you out there. Of course, you want to go to the listareyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you everything that's happening in the D.C. metro area. You want to follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for everything else happening. And... Congratulations to me. I am now doing Industry Night out of the Wine Lair. We have a new partnership together. At the Ritz-Carlton, At the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. So we have a new partnership together, and we're doing the show there, too. So you want to tune in for that. Obviously, every Tuesday we release a new show. I think I'm going to retire Okay, now. I think you need to let me finish. So uh, thank you to our guests in studio. Thank you for all, to all of you for tuning in. One last reminder, take your kindness pills before you dine out. There are still staffing shortages. I know it's crazy out there and it feels really good, but your servers want you to have a good experience. Be nice and have a delicious week.